Yeah, it's good to be in Norwalk today. Um, with Brother Moses, his wife, Christine, and you saints here. I think this is such a beautiful building. The, the, your sanctuary is beautiful. I'm prejudiced to Burgundy. And so when I see Burgundy, I feel really good. It was um, a privilege to also be here. Um, I didn't expect Brother Antoine to be here, but I knew some of you brothers was, were going to come. And I counted all the privileges. My first time in Norwalk, Connecticut. God has been good to us. And I've got some fellow ministers here. And so I pray that God will touch our minds and help us. It was a pleasure speaking to the Elmont Church last night. I titled the message, The Week to be Weak, Sickly, and then Sleep. That's what Paul said. He says, because we partake of the Lord's cup unworthily, we become weak, then we become sickly, then we sleep. Spiritually, we become weak, and physically, we become weak. Then we become sickly spiritually, we become sickly physically, and thirdly, we sleep spiritually and naturally, you know, we kick the bucket. And this is what Paul says, and, and you can see this reality in many of our churches. We're living in a bad time. I told Brother Richard that I find it uncomfortable now talking about if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves because people today are so full and ministers are so full that we hear with the ears register it in our brains but it never goes down to the heart and initiate a change of lifestyle. Now you here in Norwalk and those of us that are ministers, it's a good time to ask ourselves this question. How long are we serving the Lord? How many years ago we accepted Jesus as our Savior? And when we look back at where we're coming from, have we improved in our dedication and commitment to God? If you, we were to do a self-analysis, a self-examination, are we closer to the finish line than when we started? Paul made a statement in Philippians. He said, I have not yet apprehended that which the Lord has apprehended me for. The word apprehend is a big word. It means I have not yet 
taken a hold of, I've not yet reached that place, but he says this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so today, I'm glad I'm here. I remember uh, when I was making my last trip into Haiti, and I mentioned this last night, but, but I did not tell the details. When I was about to make my trip into Haiti, I felt the Lord give me a dream. Dreams have really led my life. From the time I was small, I had dreams. I dreamt I was going to America. When I was in America for two years, I dreamt I was going back to Guyana. All my dreams that I dreamt were fulfilled accordingly. When I'm making a trip, I told my family, I said, if I'm a child of God, and I'm in a plane flying high in the sky, and that plane is about to crash, and it is going to crash, I believe God will take me out of that plane and put me on the ground. Has that ever happened with me? Make a guess. Not a plane, but an accident. When I was a young man, I got into an accident, and all I remember, the accident happened, and I was on the other side of the road untouched. How I got there, Brother, Brother Antoine, I don't know. I really know. God put me there. And my life has been like that all my life. And so when I was about to make a trip into Haiti, the dream I had was a strange dream. I dreamt there was a big tree, and on this tree, there were all kinds of little bags hanging on this tree that came off the highway that was alongside this tree. When people were driving on the highway, it stirred up things, and the little bags came and were, they were all hanging on the tree. Now, amazingly, among those bags, what do you think was hanging on the tray? A piano. And so I looked at this tree and I said, I must climb up this tree. And I must remove all of these bags that are hanging. And I must remove the piano. So you imagine today, I really like your worship. I thought it was very modest, very tranquil, and I appreciate it. Because among the many things that were hanging on the tree was a piano. And it meant I was going into Haiti, and one of the things the Lord was telling me that I must take off the tree was the music. And so, did he give me any more information? No, but I work on my own local church. I went into Haiti 
And I remember they had a beautiful meeting. And you remember you were there and the band was playing. And when I got up to preach, I said, I'd like us to sing that last song. It was in Creole, I think. I didn't know what it said, but I know it sounded good. And so they started, I said, I want us to sing that song. But Antoine, you were there? I'm not, I can't remember. And I said, and so all the band got their music up. And I said, no music. Today, we will sing with our voices only. You were there, right? Yes. And you know, that was the sweetest song sung for a long time. Now I believe in music, but I believe that these things were important. And so what about the tree? I started to climb the tree in my dream. And I started to pull bags off. And then in my mind, I thought the branches are too many on this tree. And for me to avoid these bags hanging on the tree and all of this silly things hanging on the tree, I need to trim the tree. So I decided I, I was going to go down and grab me a chainsaw and start cut branches off. And on my way down, my foot slipped and I was about to fall. And there was something, a voice that spoke to me in that dream that said, you need safety harness. You need a safety harness. Now, I never knew what a safety harness was. I never really used one in my life. And so when I got up there and I woke up from the dream, I felt the safety harness was talked about by Paul in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is making a statement here. And it's telling me if I was going to go to Haiti and help the people in Haiti getting rid of all these little bags and whatever was hanging on the tree, then I need what Ephesians 6 had. And Paul says in Ephesians 6 and verse 10, he says, finally, my brethren, be strong. See, it's one thing sitting in church and listening to the message. But are you strong? It's one thing knowing the doctrine in the head. But have you developed spiritual stability? You see, we just came out of COVID-19, sort of. And we put the mask on. Uh, we protect ourselves. But beyond the mask, beyond the human protection, beyond sanitizing your hand, there is a God. There is a God. And if I follow the principles of God, 
a thousand shall fall on one side and ten thousand on the other side, yet nothing shall harm me. But Richard just came for a from a minister's meeting and he was telling me in the minister's meeting they had a list of sick people that needed about how many people? About 20 something on a list of individuals that needed healing or prayer because they were going for a surgery. You ever had a prayer list like, like that? You know, not so long, but where Moses get up and says, we need prayer for sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so and brother Singh needs prayer and, and we have this prayer list, right? You ever had that done? You brothers know what I'm talking about, the list? Well, I said it would have been nice if one hand I have the prayer list and the other hand, I have a miracle list. Here is what the Lord has done. Miracle number one. Sister so-and-so got healed from a cancer. Miracle number two. That brother with a stroke suddenly got healed. What have been something? That we don't only have a prayer list. We have a healing miracle list. Unfortunately, we don't have the miracle list because we are limited on the power of God that is really available, but you and I have not tapped into that. And so after I got up and I started to look, it says, Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of the internet. Is that what he said? Be strong in the Lord. And make sure you have a good voice when you're preaching. That you can tremble it. And give the people goosebumps. Yeah, maybe that's what Peter did on, when he went to the temple that day. Peter and John went to the temple that day, right? And Peter looked at that lame man. And the man says, I need some money. When a man, when a person needs some money and you say, I got no money. If they had any faith at all that they'll get some money, it goes down. No faith in the man's heart. Because I just shocked this faith. Don't have money. Well, what you got? I, don't, I need some money. And then Peter told, turned, turned to John. And he says, John, let us tell this man we're going home now. And we're going to fast 10 days and then come back. Is that what it did? No. Peter looked at the man. He said, silver and gold I don't have. And I'll tell you what I have. No, no, no. When you don't have the power of God, you need all kinds of stuff. I had a brother stood up in my pulpit one time and he says, well, praise God. <laughs> Had my niece come up for prayer. And she had a 
problem with her foot. And she came up for prayer in one of my meetings. Long time ago. And the brother that prayed with my niece. This was her head. And he says in the name of Jesus. Her feet. Her foot did not get healed. But her neck got sprained. That's because when we don't have the power of God, we need to pump things up. See, I'm still talking about be strong in the Lord. Not strong in your voice, not strong in the flesh, not strong in psychology, strong in the Lord. And Peter looked at that man today and he says, silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I will give you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man rose up and walked. You know what? Unfortunately, I don't have that power yet. But I believe it's available. And Paul, when he's writing here to the church at Ephesus, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not mine. He says, here is what will make you strong. Put on the whole armor of God. See, that's the, that's the uh, safety harness that we're going to put on now. He says, put on the whole armor of God that when the devil comes, you'd be able to stand against the trickery, the subtlety of the devil. I was telling Brother Richard, I said the other day, I preached a lesson and when it was over, a little girl that is not in church all the time, she came to me. She was about maybe 13, 14 years old. And she says, Brother Singh, I appreciate your message today. And I'm going to go home and write on a piece of paper, I cannot blame the devil for my incompetence. She said, that's what you said. I said, and that is so true. My lack of competence, I can't blame the devil. And I said, I said, kid, you know what you need to add to that? Satan can make me do nothing that I don't want to do. She says, I'm going to put that on my mirror and every morning when I go look at the mirror, I see this information that the devil is not powerful enough to make me do anything that I don't want to do. But his wiles, he would get you act like an idiot as a preacher. He'd get you act like an idiot as a saint. But if when you do bodily exercise, it profited little. It is the power of God that we need. So here is what we need. The whole armor of God. And he says, for we wrestle not against 
human beings, flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We cannot afford to underestimate the strength of our enemy. Solomon, in his wisdom, underestimated the strength of the devil. And when the devil was finished with the wisest king that lived on this earth, he brought idols into the very temple of God. His wives turned his heart from serving God. So what is the use of wisdom if the devil can undermine your wisdom and get you to do things that is not pleasing to God? You see, I would like to see a church come into existence that we only do that which pleases God. We preach the way God wants us to preach. We sing the way God wants us to sing. We worship the way God wants us to worship. We reach out and develop things the way God wants us to do. What was the first song we were singing tonight? I love that one. What was the first song? I want to do your will, O oh God. See, tonight, today, I would like to do God's will. But unfortunately, brothers, sometimes we plan our will and hope God fits in. And when he doesn't fit in, we try to whip the music up. We try to make it sound like he fit in. But we end up with laryngitis. We end up with tiredness. And no miracle is happening. I would like to do his will. Even Jesus, when he was dying in Gethsemane, he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. He said, nevertheless, it's not my will. So here is the question. When you wake up in the morning, are you desirous of doing what the Lord wants you to do? Or you don't even give it a thought? Do we plan and hope God fits in? Well, it's tradition. It, this is done by tradition. Some, some, we were asked, I was asked, Brother Singh, are you having a meeting this year? And if the Lord directs me, I will. If he doesn't direct me, I wouldn't. But we have service. We have Thanksgiving. You're invited to my Thanksgiving. You're invited to my Thanksgiving. You're invited to my Thanksgiving. No, the brothers are invited to my Thanksgiving. But we're not 
at this point in time, I don't think I'm having a meeting. But that's me. You've got to do what you feel God wants you to do. I have to do what I feel God wants me to do. And as I get, as I get older, I want to do His will. I want the Lord to, to, to break me and mold me from my will to be conformed to His will. All right. You know, I, I didn't plan to say any of this thing you know that I'm saying today. But let's go on, right? And Paul says, wherefore, here's what you do. Verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you, not half armor, the whole armor of God. So what is the whole armor of God? Verse 14 and verse 15 and verse 16 and verse 17 covers this area. Now I know the King James Bible has it it's in a certain order. I have it in my own order. So my order goes like this. Verse 17, first thing you need is helmet of salvation. What is saying? Are you changing the Bible? <laughs> no, really. I'm just rearranging the verses. Because, because if you're not saved, don't worry about the others. You can't put them on. The first thing you need to do is get saved, man. I need to experience salvation. Now, salvation is when the Lord takes you out of darkness and out of sin and puts you in his marvelous light. When I was growing up and my neighbor who is a drunkard gets saved, he stopped drinking. He's changed his life. Are you saved? Were the Pharisees preaching the gospel saved? No. And a lot of us are in church. And because our children are brought up in church. We think they are born saved. No they're not. We are all shapen in iniquity. And in sin our moms conceive us. Our children need to be saved. We need to be saved. Parents, the greatest advice you can give your children is a godly example. So if you're not really saved and you've got dirty habits and you're still struggling to overcome sin, don't put the pressure on the children. And us preachers, if we're hoping our churches to come up to a level, they've got to be saved. That's right. People don't like me say this. Preachers don't like me say this. I say it anyways. We all have hypocrisy in our life to a certain extent. Some of us have greater hypocrisy. Some of us have less hypocrisy. And I, do you all want to know all my sins? 
Is anybody here wanting to know all my hypocrisy? Put your hand up, I'll tell you. <laughs> Nobody want to know? Brother Singh's hypocrisy. You know, like, I have things I don't want you to know. But the Lord knows, and He still is allowing me time to get saved. Because you said, Brother Richard, that sanctification is a progressive journey. He starts to work, but you keep saving me, making me over into what you want to be. Are you being changed every day? Are you still the same hypocrite you were last year? Oh, some problems we'll battle for a long time, but we've got to change. Paul says, I've not yet apprehended that which the Lord has apprehended me for. But he didn't stop there. He says, this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, when he looked back, the things I used to do, I do them no more. The hypocrisy that existed in my life is not there anymore. My prayerlessness is not like it used to be. My charity is improved. Godliness is improved. And when you look at me, you see less of me. You start to see more of Jesus. That is spiritual progress. You know, it took Paul about 35 to 40 years. When he said that, he had years ahead. But there comes a time in his life when he writes his last letter, he says, I'm now ready to be offered. I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. You see, I can't say that. I'm still fighting. I have finished my course. I can't say that I'm still doing my course. Lesson one, lesson two, lesson three, maybe lesson 300. But I'm still doing my course. He says, I have fought a good fight, finished my course, kept, kept the faith. And that's not easy to say. I I'm hoping that one day I can say I've kept the faith. I'm keeping it. Listen, I'm not what I used to be. When I look at the finish line and I try to find the start line, I can't see the start line anymore, Brother Antoine. <clears throat> That's long years ago. But when I look, I see the flag of the finish line. What am I going to do? Give up now? No. I keep on. Keep on going. Keep on going. Until like Paul I can say is I have kept the faith. Henceforth he said there is laid for me a crown of righteousness. And so 
Paul is writing here in verse 17, the first thing you need is not a physical helmet, it's a spiritual helmet. When you get saved, it protects your mind. And, and so, when you think about this that's happening, he says the helmet of salvation, I need my mind guarded from evil. So you sit here today and listen to me. And you know I'm taping this message. Because when I'm done, I send it to my brother Joe McCormick. And he takes this message and put it on the internet, on Spotify. So preachers around the world can hear it. Saints around the world can hear it. Because I'm about to tell you that I can talk to you for one hour and you hear all that I say. And then when you go home, you turn the damnable television on and it undoes, undo. It undoes, which one is right English? It undoes or undo? Undo. <laughs> See, we have a problem with English. <clears throat> and then they want me to study Greek and Hebrew. Uh, it, when you put that television on and Hollywood gets into your mind, the helmet of salvation is affected. It becomes porous. It does not protect you anymore because you open your mind to the works of the devil to ungodly entertainment. You listen to gossip. You listen to everything that will destroy your helmet of salvation. We need to guard our minds. Let this mind be in you, Paul says, which was in Christ Jesus. But Richard quoted a scripture in Romans 12. Uh, what it says, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, your mind is the gateway to your soul. And he says, Satan, I rebuke you. But then I sit down and watch Hollywood. Rebuke what? See, he did not, did not only, the devil did not only destroy Solomon. The, the devil got the strongest man on the, on the, in the world. Samson to grind at the mills of the Philistines. And Satan gets us to sing those songs so that we can underestimate his subtlety and the devices of the devil. So here are some things we need to know. Let me move with this lesson. Helmet of salvation, verse 17. Number two, Breastplate of righteousness, verse 14. When you're saved, there must be righteousness. When you have the breastplate of godliness and you're holy, 
The devil can't penetrate you because you live a godly life. Yes, You're living a godly life. The attacks of the devil is hitting a breastplate of righteousness. If it's hitting a breastplate of hypocrisy and evil and sin, it will stick your heart and your desires will be undermined. So number two, breastplate of righteousness. Number three, shield of faith. This is a lesson I'm preaching today. Shield of faith. The wiles of the devil will do everything to affect your growth, the growth of your faith in God. Today, most children of God, their faith is in the medicine cabinet. That's true. We can't trust God because why trust God for a headache when I got Tylenol? Why trust God for a back pain when I get rubbed 353? The devil has provided so much in society that you can't trust God anymore. You trust in anything else. But I believe God is a God of miracles. He still heals the sick. He still brings deliverance for his people. He can still protect you from evil. From the little virus called... What is it called? Uh, the, the virus, COVID virus. What is it called? No, that's the general thing. There's a, uh, there's a name for the virus. No, there's a name for the COVID virus. Um, nobody knows? Somebody help me out here. There's a name for the COVID virus. Coronavirus. It's the coronavirus. The coronavirus, the, the nickname COVID-19 is because it started in the year 2000, um, 2019. But it's the coronavirus. The little microscopic coronavirus has got great men's on, men on their knees has killed not only the ungodly, but it has killed some of God's people. The sinners die, and the preachers die, and the church get affected, and this virus shook the world over. I believe there's a God bigger than the virus. Yes, sir. We need protection. We need protection. Thank you for the amen. We really do. And so the shield of faith is affected by what the, what the devil has provided to substitute for faith. So if you're going to put the whole armor of God, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, and the shield of faith. Faith is believing that God can do anything. Amen. 
And then it says number five, number four, your loins, verse 14, your loins gird about with truth. Last night while I was preaching in Elmont, I made a statement that I wrote it down and it's not the first time. It is when truth, everybody say truth. When truth contradicts tradition, we need to analyze the tradition because truth should have priority to, to tradition. Well, I got this from my ancestors. Well, your ancestors might have gotten it from the devil. Children of God today, we need to analyze every aspect of our service to God. And when the Word of God says something that contradicts my daily lifestyle, I need to take the Word of God above what I'm doing on a daily lifestyle. Because truth will set us free not only from sin, it will set us free from ungodly traditions and iniquity. I'm checking the time I'm speaking here. Okay. And so, number four, your loins gird about with truth. Number five, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of gossip. Is that what it is? Complaining gospel? No, your feet must be shed with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Listen, children of God, <clears throat> do you love everybody you see? Is there, do you love everybody that you see? You love all the children of God in church. There's nobody that you don't like. Is, you like everybody. Is there somebody that you don't like? And you have a problem? Well, your feet is not shed with the gospel, of, the preparation of the gospel of peace. You would end up and be a gossip and create division. Can I give you a secret? This is a secret formula. I'm going to give you a secret formula. All right? Make a list of all the people you hate. In Mafia, among the Mafia people, they call it hit list. Make a hit list. All the people you want God to judge. Whether it's your Hindu neighbor or the Muslim down the street, make a list of all the people you don't like. Say, hit list. Now, you do this, you'll find out uh, what Brother Singh is telling you today would work. Then when you finish making your hit list, scratch out hit and put prayer list. And I guarantee you that if you pray for the people you don't like, 
every day for one month, it will change your attitude. See, I'm not telling you about theories. I'm telling you how to live. Because I'm standing in front of you and I don't have enemies. Because as soon as I find one, I pray for him. Oh, God help him. But he cost me today. Oh, God help him. Help me not to hate him. Help me to love him. You know, and pray for him every day. So what do you pray? Oh God, you know, he gave me a hard time. To break his foot. No. Oh God, bless him. Prosper him. When you start to live the Bible, it changes you into a wonderful creature. And so number five was um, feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And number six is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, it is sad when a pastor pastors a church, preaches a message, and everybody says, good message, good message. Around one, that oh, was a good message. And you turn around and said, and then you said to him, what did I preach about? Uh, well, you preach about the Bible. No, what I preached on. You preached on the platform. You see, people are easy to say, praise the Lord. Amen. And they forget what they have heard. Because when the word of God is sown in the hearts, if it's not going down deep enough, the devil will come and remove that word of God. And when you have the full helmet of salvation, let's go, let's go it over. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, your loins gird about with truth, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, and you had him have in your hand a sword of the spirit. You're ready to climb that tree and to take all these unnecessary elements that came off the highway and got into the church. But then that's not the end. Paul goes on to say here, he says, praying always. Do you pray always? You know the most important thing in a Christian life is prayer. Now listen to me for a few more minutes. I think I already spoke about 51 minutes. Good. I did. 51 minutes. I'm looking at my time and I'm going to quit soon. But when last have you prayed? Everybody saying I prayed this morning. I bless my food. You call that prayer? What did you pray on the food? Oh Lord, I thank you for this food. I pray that you would use it to strengthen my body. Sanctify it. Your words somebody pray about sanctifying the food. Well, you gotta say justify it. 
sanctify it and then glorify it. You know the Bible says just give thanks for the food. Not justify it, sanctify it, glorify it. But that's not prayer. I'm talking about talking to God. Because you need Him. The reason why people don't pray is they feel they don't need God. And when you ask them to pray publicly, they preach to God. Dear Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, immutable. Why don't you just be like that man that was Jesus talked about? See, the Pharisee went in and the publican went in and the Pharisees, the Pharisee said, Lord, I'm not like that sinner. He's telling the Lord that. That sinner, I'm not like him. I'm better than anybody else around here. You know, sometimes, brothers, bear up with me. Sometimes I think we are the Pharisees of the 21st century. We're so self-righteous. You know, when I was in Babylon, that's a different subject. I wouldn't want to start that. When I was in Babylon, it was a building, right? Okay, when I was in Babylon, I used to fast and pray. When I walk down the street and someone is possessed, they run from me. Now, the demons hug me. I'm in the body. The man in Mark 9, he cast out demons because he fasted and prayed. The apostles could not cast demons out because they were feasting and praying. So unless we start praying, paying the price, we will be powerless. But when you learn to pray, you get into a corner in the quiet of the night. And sometimes you might not even say a word, but you cry before God and ask God that you need him. It will change your life. It gives you a dependency on the Lord. You will start to do things that are different. When you sin, it bothers you because you're trying to communicate with the Holy God. Paul says, praying, Verse 18, he says, praying always with all prayers and supplication in the spirit and watching there, thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And most of all, the saints in the congregation need to pray for their pastor. But Richard has someone in his church that told me, you know, that says she's got a problem. And you know, I'm a preacher for God knows 52 years, 53 years. I went full time 53 years ago. 
I only look young, I'm old. How you like self-praise is no recommendation. <laughs> no, I'm old, I'm 74. Down at the end of the line. How old are you? 66. Six, man, you're a kid. You need 666. But Moses is 666. I mean 66. I'm 74. Preached for, went full-time 18 years old. It's a long time. And so, when I'm thinking my years of being in the ministry, I would like to see Christ develop more in my life. Time is gone on me here today, but let's li listen to this. When I, that young lady came to me and she said she needed prayer. I discovered in 2016 she communicated with me. When I'm looking at my internet, she did, and I didn't pay attention. But I promised her, I said, here is what I'll do. I will pray for you every day. If you promise to pray for me every day. Isn't that a good deal? That was a good deal, because you know what it did? If that girl didn't come to me, I would make prayer just a by the way thing. You know, I pray when I can, I don't pray when I can. But because I promised her, because I promised her, I got up every morning at 2.30 or 3 o'clock or 4 or 4.30. And I pray for her every day. So she's the only thing I'm going to pray for? No, because of that, I'm there praying for everyone. And by that, you know, listen to me, I'm about close. Prayer does not always move God. That is why we pray according to His will. In my local church, I tell Brother John and Brother Sam, I say, go pray for the people. And so they're there praying for the people and the people and the people would love that because they pray, oh God, heal them and whatever. I said, no, those of you that come this side, I'm going to pray for you on this side. The only thing my prayer is this. Lord, if this sickness is what you put on this life to teach them a lesson, then keep the sickness and teach them a lesson, but give them grace. You know, Jesus told Peter one time, he said, Satan wants to sift you, but I rebuke the devil. No, he did not rebuke the devil. He says, I have prayed for you, not that the devil don't come, but God would strengthen your faith, that when the devil is sifting the chaff, out of your life you can maintain your faith right until the end when I pray it helps me changes my attitude and we all need to pray listen if you want this church to be a powerful church let it become a prayerful church pray for your pastor every day it says, Paul says, and pray for me, that I might give you messages produced by Dale Carnegie.
I'll preach how to win friends and influence people. No. He says, preach, pray for me that I'm going to be courageous enough to call hypocrisy, hypocrisy, to call sin, sin, and to give you the word of God that will change your life. We need to pray for our preachers. Paul says, that boldness be given unto me. You know, I wasn't planning to get on any of this today, but I feel this is what I need to share with the church, and I need to share with you, brothers. Because if we can't have a prayer life, how are we going to tell the people to pray? And the more you know Scripture, the less you're tempted to pray. Because, man, I can get up there and preach. It, there's a difference in preaching with an anointing that will break the yoke rather than a sermon that will exalt my ego. May God help us. I'd like to pray with us here today. If you don't mind, Brother Moses, you know yes, I'll pray with us today before I sit. Let us pray. <clears throat> Father, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege that you have given me to come here to Connecticut, right here in Norwalk, to be with Brother Moses and this wonderful assembly, to be here with my fellow ministers. Lord, I pray that this message that I share with the people today would change lives, change us, O oh God. Help us not to be stagnant in our spiritual development, but help us to move on. Lord, taking on the whole armor of God. Save us. Cleanse us from our sins. Give us that breastplate of righteousness and that shield of faith. Oh God, where we are faithless, increase our faith, please. Help us to trust you more than we trust doctors and medicines and the internet and whatever they have out there. Help us to trust you. God, because you're a great God. We should have no other gods but you, Father. Help us to put you on the highest pedestal in our lives. Father, teach us to pray. Teach us to seek after thee. Cleanse us from sin and cleanse us from iniquity, Father. Pray for this assembly here in Norwalk. Continue to give Brother Moses the wisdom that he needs and the patience that he needs to continue to lead this group of individuals. Help him never to make this little assembly the social club, but to be a church that will save saints when they come on in. Anoint this man of God in this area. Protect his life, protect his family, touch every one of the children of God present in this assembly today. I pray, O oh Father, that you continue to touch us as ministers, Father, visiting here, that you continue to save us. Like Paul, one day we can say we have fought a good fight, Lord, and we can say we have finished the course and we have kept the faith. Please help us, Father. We know it's not by might. Human might, human genius, human excellence, human knowledge, but it's by your spirit. 
Give us your genuine Holy Spirit, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. Nice talking to you.